This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if He hears us, whatever we ask in prayer, believing that we have received it, it will be ours. We believe that prayer changes everything. And so we look forward to praying with you. Be blessed. That was a great, I'm not going to call it an exercise, because an exercise is something that you do. But that was a great demonstration and healing process and moment. And I, I can speak, th the Lord has started a healing in my life because I, I recognize my father has been telling me, morning, good morning. He sends me, good morning, my daughter, I love you. I've been getting it every morning. And you know, the funny thing, when I, when, when I, when, when I one morning I got it when I was in Florida, and I think what he said, he did, does, he did not just say good morning. I don't remember the exact words he used, but when I heard him, I said, oh my God. I said, God, I got love for my father, earthly and, and, and spiritual father. Because many of us, I didn't grow up hearing those words. I didn't grow up having, well, my father told me he used to hug me and he stopped at a certain age. I can't recall. But he said he, was, he used to do that. And I realized a lot of us, the, the, the distance and the, and, the, and the lack of love that we show to others is because we never experienced love. And we don't know how to give some, uh, something that we don't have or never receive. But I think the Lord has started a healing process. I can't speak for me. He has started a healing process in my life. He has started it and I'm open to more because I want more. I want more. You know, walk around and think you're normal by the way you do things. Like I remember someone said to me, this is how I am. She's wired. And I'm realizing a lot of the things that we do, we think that's not how we are wired. We are shaped by our experiences, our lack of love and our lack of whatever, abuse and all of those things that we have been through that has shaped us. And it's like God is saying, I am, when he says, I am, 
making you into a new creation. It's, it's not just about you going to heaven. It's about you while you're here, we're living like a new creation also. We, we're seeing it in our own lives. Because whether we like it or not, we can only pretend so much. The true you comes out to the persons who know you the most. So you think you're loving, check the person, ask the persons who know you the most how loving you are. And they will tell you how much you love. Because you can love everybody else. You can walk around and love Tom and Dick and Harry and Mary and Susan and Jane. You can, because you're pretending, and it's just for a short time. But if you, the person who knows you the most will know how loving you are. The person who, who, who spends more, most, more time around you, because you, 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 after a while you relax. You relax and you become yourself after a while. You can't pretend for the entire day. You may pretend for the eight hours at work, but when you go home, the real you go home. You may pretend in church, but when you, when you, when you go with your family, the real you come out. And the Lord wants us to be loving, because that's the only thing. That's the only thing the enemy can't penetrate is love. Anyway, that was my message this morning. Last week, we, we stopped in, in Acts 5. I think verse 17, verse 16. And this morning I want to continue from Acts 5, from verse 17. We want to look at the disciples, at the apostles, how in the midst of trial, what was their response? And the, the message this morning is, what's your response? And it's a question I ask you and I also ask of myself because we have to think we are faced with situations every day. And in the midst of the situations, and even after the situations, we have a response. And it's, a, it's an intentional response that we are going to have to make. We make them based on our own emotions. But when we look at the lives of the apostles and the disciples, we will recognize that every choice or every trial, every response they made, was as a result of the influence of the Holy Spirit. Every human being will face trials. So whether you're a believer or you're not, you will face trials. You're not actually, you're not exempt from trials. But the trials of the believers, if we have this mindset that our trials that we go through are temporary, because 2 Corinthians 4.17 tells us that our present troubles are small, and I'm looking at the NLT. Our present sufferings, our present troubles, our pre present trials and tribulations are small, and they won't last long. But they are designed to achieve a particular outcome. They are designed for us to, to reach to that place of hope, building character and perseverance. They are designed to produce in us a glory that will vastly outweigh all of the trials and the tribulations that we have ever experienced. Paul in Romans 5, 3, 4 says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And this is from the, the Amplified Version. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confidence. 
confident hope of our salvation. So we recognize that the trials are going to come. They must come. They will come. And if they don't come today, they will come by Friday. Something is going to happen by Friday. And even as we just hug that, the enemy is going to come. But Paul is saying to us in, 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 in Corinthians and in Romans that the troubles that we face, the trials that we will face are small in comparison to what God is achieving in us or wants to achieve in us. We see in, in Acts 5 that the, the apostles went through a lot of trials and what we call tribulations and sufferings. As the, 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 the church grew, as the word of God grew and people came, people accepted the, the good news of, and, uh, of salvation and they came, the church grew. And as the church grew, people came and people were healed and delivered. And the high priest and the Sadducees looked on and they became jealous because here it is, these apostles were now having the, the, the favor of the people that they were working all their lives to achieve. Because that's what the Sadducees do. The Sadducees are the, are the richer set, religious set, that, that, look, that, that they are not like the Pharisees, because the Pharisees are the common man who will become like a rabbi. But the Sadducees are the rich ones, who are, they are the elite group, the elite religious sect, Jewish sect. And so they needed the, 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 the acceptance of the people but what was happening that they saw that it was shifted from them and it was now the apostles who the people were running to. Because in the apostles' lie, the Holy Spirit was bringing the healing and the deliverance and the good news was coming and people were recognizing that, that there is more than what they heard. The Sadducees, Acts 17 tells us that they became filled with jealousy and resentment. And what they did, they arrested the apostles and put them in a public jail. And we recognize that even in the midst of that, we saw God's plan. God had a plan for them. And so God sent an angel to release them, to set them free. And the angel went and the angel opened the door, the prison doors, and led them out and said to them, Go stand and continue to tell the people in the temple the good news or the news of the new life that is found in Jesus. And when they heard it, the scripture tells us that at daybreak they obeyed and they went. The next morning, the, the high priests with the, with, the, with, the, with the Sadducees decide that they're going to try them because the initially they were told in Acts 4 that they were no longer to speak in the name of Jesus. And so the high priest sent to get them from the prison and when the officers arrived, the doors were closed, the, the jail doors were closed, the soldiers were standing at the door guarding the jail, jail but the cell itself was empty because God had sent an angel to release them and to set them free. So we see where the imprisoned were released. The officers went back and they re reported to the high priest that the apostles 
were not in the prison. They, they, they were not there and they don't know how they got out. But someone reported that the, the, the apostles were at the temple court preaching and sharing with the people in, in the name of Jesus. So they sent men and they arrested them again and they were brought before the Sanhedrin. When they got there, they began to accuse the apostles of what they did. They said, we told you not to speak in the name of Jesus and you, you disobeyed. And all of the things that they, they felt that they, could, they shouldn't have done. And they went back and forth talking to them about what they did. But what I noticed is Peter's response. Peter spoke about Jesus that even though he knew that he, should, that, that he was told not to speak in the name of Jesus, he knew that there is no other name. That when he saw filled with the Holy Spirit that there is nothing else you can do but speak in the name of Jesus. So when they heard what Peter was saying, they became infuriated. And again, God stepped in again and he provided Gamaliel. Not sure if my pronunciation is correct. A teacher of the law. Very highly esteemed man, of, man in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Sadducee sect and in the Sanhedrin. And he spoke and he said, you know what, leave these men alone because if they are not for God, they will they will perish and everything will, will quell down and die down just like the other guys who came and rose up before. But if they are for God, you are literally fighting against God. And so God used Gamiel again and he saved the Peter and their other apostles. But to show how disgusted they were with the apostles, the Sadducees decide that they are going to flog Peter and flog the apostles. And so what I want us to do, do this morning is to pay attention to Peter's response and the apostles' response. They, they, they ordered them to be flogged and not to speak again in the name of Jesus. And what we recognize that the apostles did, they left the council, Acts 5, 41 says, rejoicing. They were rejoicing that they had, be, had been considered worthy to suffer shame in the name of Jesus. And every day after that, they went to the temple courts rejoicing and sharing the good news of Jesus. So we realize that in the midst of your trial and in the midst of situation that we do have a choice in how we respond. When you and I go through trials, I sometimes get the want to go, my, my, my natural fleshly design is to go to resentment. So if it's someone that you're having someone, something with you want to resent them, I'm realizing that's not what the apostles did. They rejoiced. When they were told not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they were threatened, their lives were threatened, our natural response may be one to cower in fear. But what they did, they obeyed God and boldly declare in the name of Jesus that there is new life for those who come to accept him. And so we realize that in every situation that we face, every trial that we face, we have an opportunity to decide 
how to respond. Because trials are going to come. And trials come in various forms and shapes and sizes. Some are simple little things as like you booking your toe. That's a, that's a simple little trial, a simple little suffering. But do you have them now in a place where in your home or in your workplace when you go to work and you, you, you know you're poised for, 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 um, for getting that job. And they came and your boss come and they promoted somebody else over you. You know, you know the person not qualified. That too is a trial. And how you respond in a situation like that is dependent on you. Based off what we have seen in, 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 Paul, in Peter and the, the apostles, we realize that when the trials come, the way we can, we can deal with it is to rejoice. Rejoicing does not say that you are not feeling or you are not going through something. But what rejoicing says is that I have chosen to not allow the situation to overcome and, 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 and rid me of my peace and my joy. We'll also want to look in Acts 7. We saw them selecting the, the, the apostles, not the apostles, the seven men who they needed to look to look after the widows. And Stephen, the scripture says, a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit was chosen. And having chosen Stephen, Stephen was now one of those that they, they, they used to declare God's purpose and to declare God's favor and to, and to look after the widows, as I said before. But what happened is, as Stephen began to speak and as he spoke, there were some, they call them the freedmen, who were, who were jealous of Stephen. And they planned and plotted against Stephen and they lied that Stephen was lying and that he was blaspheming about the Holy Spirit, about God, and he was speaking against what Moses did. And as we read the scripture, which I hope that you'll get a chance to go home and read, with, this is in, in verse 54, they, they heard the accusations and they, they, they reported Stephen to the Sanhedrin And when Stephen was brought before them, he, he gave them, he, he explained to them from beginning to the end leading up to Jesus, which got to them and they were caught in their hearts and they, they began to grind their teeth. And they decided that we're going to kill Stephen because they have now lied that he blasphemed and they were planning now on killing Stephen. But being full of the Holy Spirit, and led by him, Stephen gazed into heaven and he saw the glory, the splendor, and the majesty of God standing at the right hand. And he said, look, I see the heavens open and I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they shouted. They couldn't stand to hear him talk, about, talk that way. And they said, we are gonna, they rushed to kill him because they were considering that he was guilty of blasphemy. Looking at verse 58 of Acts 7. Then they drove him out of the city and began to stone him. 
And the witnesses placed their, their outer robes, which we know is Saul, which became Paul, at the feet of those who were stoning Peter. I'm sorry, Stephen. And but what I noticed also was Stephen's response. Instead of cursing or repent, saying to them, you know what? I am I'm, I'm no longer going to believe in the name of Jesus. Peter, I keep calling him Peter, Stephen called out to the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive and accept and welcome my spirit. I'm looking at the Amplified. Then falling on his knees, he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Do not charge them for what they have done. And so I look at how Stephen and how Peter and the apostles dealt with trials. And I am recognizing that I don't have to always give in to my bent or my wiring. I don't always have to decide that I have to do it that way. And I want you to think, if you were Peter or you were Stephen being stoned or and, and, be, and being accused of something that you did not do. Or being accused or being told not to speak in the name of Jesus and your life is threatened. What would your response be? For every trial and suffering you and I will encounter, we are recognizing that God has a plan. For Stephen, we may look at Stephen that he died. Yes, he died, but it was also God's plan. Because after Stephen, we, we saw in the midst of Stephen, we saw Saul. And it's right after that, the church spread. And the church never became the same. It's like the church started to grow after the persecution. We saw Saul coming to, to Christ and his name being changed to Paul. So how would you respond or how should we respond when we are faced with trials? We can choose to obey God rather than disobey him. We can choose to forgive rather than hate. We can choose to pray rather than complain and quarrel. We can choose to remain stuck or we can choose to move forward. Whatever the challenge or the trial or the suffering, you and I must respond in a way that causes us to grow. One of the things I recognize that as believers, trials are going to come. And I want to spend the time now looking at some scriptures and just going through them with you. And if it's something that you, it's a lot of scriptures, so if you need to take them down, now is a good time to Grab your paper and your pen. Romans 8.28 tells us that, and we know that God, who is deeply, I'm, looking I'm now looking between the NLT and the Amplified, so bear with me. I'm not using the King James this morning or the NIV. And we know, Romans 8.28 says, with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together our good for those who love him. That's the distinction. For those who love him and are called together or called according to his plan and purpose. 
So what suffering or trial can you and I go through that God is not already in control of? If Romans 8.28 tells us that God is, is, is deeply concerned about us, the situation that I face in my relationships, the situation that I face in my body, whether they be health challenges or financial challenges or relational challenges, the situation that we will face in, in, in any, any situation that we find ourselves in, if we believe that God is deeply concerned about us, our mode is to rejoice in the midst of them. 1 Peter 1.67 says, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while, which tells us that trials must come. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire, tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So we recognize that the trials have a purpose. God is using them to refine us. John 16, 33, Jesus says, In this world you will have troubles and tri tribulations and distress and, and, and suffering. But he said, but take courage, be of courage. I have overcome the world. In essence, Jesus is saying that you will never be able to avoid the trials and the distress and the tribulations and the sufferings in life. Because whether you're a believer or not, trials are going to come. And if you're a believer, they are guaranteed to come because not only are people going to hate you because of the things in you, they are not going to hate you because of Jesus. But Jesus is says, saying, be courageous, take heart. I have overcome the world. In Romans 5, verses 3 to 4, Paul is saying to us, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us. The problems and trials that we go through help us to develop endurance. All of us want to be able to, end, be end, to endure. All of us want to, 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 to maximize and be the best of us. But guess what? It's the trials that will help us to develop that endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of our salvation. So it's like we can't get far without trials. You think about a baby. A baby is born and the mother carries it, that child in her hand for as long as that child needs to be there. But there comes a point that at a certain month, certain month, as the child gets stronger, or for the child to get stronger, that child must be placed on the floor to push and to push and to strengthen the body as that child even rock to and fro trying to creep. But if you keep that child in your arm until that child is 10, that child would never walk. 
because the muscles were not developed. And I remembered even with my own children and watching them learning. And even long before that, you put that child on the stomach and the child learned to roll over and flip on the back or learn to flip over. Those are growth. And even when they started to walk and you watch them make that step and they fall or when they start to walk for some strange reason, they don't move slowly. They want to run. And their legs not strong enough and they fall. And every mother, especially for your first child, you don't want to see that child falling. But if that child don't fall and learn to get up, that child won't be strong. And so we recognize that the things that we go through in life, are there to develop that endurance that we need, to develop the strength of character. James 1, 2, 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Consider it an opportunity to rejoice. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. When I think of endurance, I think of like a Usain Bolt running. Usain can't run in his bed. He, has to, he, he had to get up and train, and anybody coming now to break Usain's record has to be training. They can't train this week and they'll train next week. They can't train today and miss tomorrow. It has to be a continuous thing of pushing and, and, and pushing the body. And the trial is going to come where they're going to have a, a damaged hamstring or the muscle is going to feel sore and they're not going to want to move. But for them to get to that place of endurance, they have to push. Colossians 2, 6-7 says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in union with him. Reflecting his character in the things you do and say. Living lives that lead others away from sin. Having been deeply rooted and now being continually built up in him, establish your faith just as you were taught and overflowing in it with gratitude. And if you were supposed to endure trials, with um, Colossians, um, Paul is saying to us, look at how Jesus did it. And mentioned it this morning. Jesus didn't take his divinity for granted. He made himself humble. Down to a servant to come to serve us mere human beings. That in and of ourselves cannot. You think you and I can praise God enough for how he's worthy? What do we bring to the table that God needs? Nothing. God has the angels up there alone. They, they can satisfy. Actually, God can satisfy God. God don't need anything or anyone to satisfy. Yet, Jesus came. Imagine leaving how many of us would have left our palace to come down to suffer so that mere men and women who obey you today disobey you more days than they do obey you to die for them. Mere men who today will stand in a church setting and say, Jesus is Lord. But when in the crowd where they are unbelievers, will not open their mouth that they know him. Yet Jesus died, came, and 
took on that level of humility so that you and I can stand here today. Paul is saying to us, let us look at Jesus how he did it. He never considered it. He just said, you know what? I have people who need to know. And I'm going to go and bear the hardship. I'm going to allow them to spit on me. Because he knew before he came that they would have spat upon him. I'm going to allow them to flog me. I'm going to allow them to call me names, glutton and drunkard. I am going to allow them to look down on me. Actually, I'm going to be born in the poorest of the poor. Jesus could have come and he could have been born in one of the Sadducees' family where there was wealth. But he came and he said, I am going to go through suffering and trials and, pers and persevere to show my people that they too can persevere because it is temporary. It is short-lived. This is not forever. But the glory that awaits them far outweighs the suffering and the persecution and the tribulation that they will face. Paul again in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us that there is no trial, no suffering, no temptation, no tribulation that you and I will ever face. That is not common to every human being. But he said, God is faithful. God knows what you can bear and he knows what I can bear. And I said sometimes, God, God, and even when you're in it, although God knows you can bear it, you're wondering, God, can I really bear this? Because you're always, always looking for a way out. But God says, I know what you can bear. I know how much temptation you can take. I know how much trial you can go through. I know how much if, oh, if you, you can, you can buck your toe and be okay. Because when you watch some people, they go through things, they wonder how they manage. Because I couldn't have gone through it. I think about the people who have lost children. I don't know if I could go through and bear the pain of losing. I want to die before my children. And I pray that is my result, that, that that's my end result, that I die before. I, I don't know if I could manage losing them. But I think about people who have lost children. And you wonder how their only child. And you wonder how they endured, how they managed, how they went through it. And whatever situation you have been, persons are looking on and wondering, how did she go through that? And you are looking on others and saying, how did they go through that? But God said, I will not give you more than you are able to bear. I will not bring a trial your way that when it comes, the weight of it is going to be too heavy for you. 2 Corinthians 4.17, Paul says again, For our present troubles are small. They won't last long. Yet they will produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all. Peter in 1 Peter 4, 12, 13 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. And even as I said it this morning, that when we, we, we took the time to hug each other, don't be surprised if the enemy brings a trial. But if he brings a trial, also remember 
that God says we will not be tempted beyond what we can bear. So God has had to veto the trial also. Because the enemy cannot bring anything that God did not allow. And Peter is saying, do not be surprised at the fiery trials that you are going through. As if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. So that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed in all the world. Peter is saying that when we overcome and when we go through our trials, we become partners with Christ in his suffering. We understand. We may never been flogged. We may never be flogged, which I don't want to be. We may never be required to die for the name of Christ. But when you go through your trials and your, your response is that of Christ, you understand what it means to suffer and you partner with him. So how should we respond to trials? One of the first things I know is to tell you is to expect them. Trials are going to come. And as someone once mentioned, I think something I read, they said, it's either you're in a tri trial, you're just coming out of one, or you're being prepared to go in one. So they are going to come. Trials are going to come. But based on the scripture that we just look, looked at this morning, they are saying to us that when the trials come, what are we to do? Look for reasons to rejoice. Look for reasons. Look for things in the midst of the trial to rejoice. James says, consider it joy. That's if he's saying, you, you are being tried. You are, you are going through this because you are special. Because that's the only reason you can find joy in it. Because you recognize how, how, how special you are that God chose you. That's what the, the, the apostle says. They count themselves worthy to be flogged for the name of Christ. They found themselves worthy because they recognized that they were special. Why would the Sanhedrin want to flog them? It's because they were special. And, and, and based on the scriptures this morning, the, we are understanding that when these things come, our response must be one that Christ, the way Christ would have responded. It is not the troubles that we face that makes us saints. It is our response to them. It is not the trouble that we face that makes us saints, because all of us want to be called saints. It is our response to them. And in Revelation, you see the, the Martha saying to, the, to, to, to God, how long? before you come back. How long? And he's saying, I am waiting for those, the others who are going to die for my namesake. He's waiting for them, for people who are going to die, who are going to stand and not cower in fear, but boldly declare Jesus in the midst of being persecuted. So God is saying, what is God saying to us? That when we undergo and when we stand the test of 
time and we go through the fiery darts and we go through the trials, he's saying to us, he's with us. Isaiah 43 tells you that you are never alone. When you walk through fire, when you walk through water, he is there. He's never brought you to a thing that he cannot take you through. No temptation, no tribulation, no suffering, no sickness, no bad marriage, no, 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 no problem with, with your job. Nothing can separate you. No, it's not short. He says, if you have the right perspective, the right mindset, and you know how to deal with it, the way I dealt with it, you would overcome. Remember, we are called to be overcomers. And as I'm saying this to you, I'm also encouraging myself because I know I know it is so easy to run. It is so easy to say, Lord, because even for me, I am being honest. When the problem gets bigger, I said, I'm ready to die. It is so easy to die for me. I am not going to take my own life, but I, I can say to the Lord, Lord, if, if I think that's the only way out of the problem, take me. Because sometimes when you can't, in your mind, you can't be bothered with the stress. You can't be bothered with the tribulation. But God is saying to us today, the they are only temporary. The tribulation that we face, the suffering, the trials, they are temporary. The disobedient children are temporary. The bad supervisor is temporary. The bad marriage is temporary. The sickness in your body is temporary. The credit card debt is temporary. Everything that, the, that is being used to create, to give you the hope in Christ and to trust him is temporary. But the glory that comes after you have been through it, that is what will last. And so God is saying to us, run that race with perseverance. Do not give up. Yes. Because everything that God is giving you and he desires for you to get you must. It is never the trouble that makes you a saint. Because sometimes as Christians we think that, okay, we're going to be persecuted and it's just the persecution. No. It's having stood the time and stood the test and passed the test that makes you saint when Jesus says well done my good and faithful servant he's not at the beginning of the race he's at the end of it when you have gone through it when you have pushed through it when you have developed that the problem looks different in your eyes where when you can look at your boss and you can say you know what he's what God is using to perfect me when you can look at the children, some people have some children where they, where, where they, they call them the troubled children. When you can look at that child and you can say, this is what God is using right now to perfect me, to build my character. When you can look at your spouse and you can say, this is what God is using to build me and prepare me for the future glory. 
When you can look at the sickness in your body and when the pain rocking you and you know that you serve a God who is a healer. And you can say this body will also, is temporary. And your mindset and your perspective of life changes. Then you will reach that place of receiving the crown where and hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We saw the apostles and the disciples, how they responded to trials. They could have disobeyed. They could have rejected Christ. They could have hated. They could have resented. But Stephen chose to ask the Lord to forgive. The apostles found themselves worthy to be flogged. I'm saying, God, and that is where it's getting all of us, you know, when none of us are going to escape it. We're going to get to that place where our mindset about problems are not the same. Where our credit card debt do not consume you and keep you up at night and you cannot sleep. Where your mortgage or your rent or your inability to pay them will not keep you up at night, but you will rejoice because you know even mortgage is temporary. Rent is temporary. Light bill is temporary. Because in heaven, you imagine all your bills are paid. And God is saying to you, I am teaching you to trust me in the trials. I am teaching you, I'm giving you character and endurance that you will not just give up as I am quick to ask him to take me home. But in the midst of the trials, I say, Lord, I am living each day for you. There are many days that I wish I never wake up. And the Lord is saying, I am going to bring you to that place where when the problem does not change, and your situation remains the same. That you can wake up rejoicing and saying, yes, Lord, my problem is here to refine me. My problem is here to develop character in me and to give me the hope in you. I don't know what trial you are facing or will be facing soon. But I want to encourage you this morning as I'm encouraging myself. God has a plan in every situation. He has the final say. And he promises that he will never leave us. He promises that in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the tribulation, he is going to be there. But he says, take heart. I have already overcome the world. What an encouragement. What an encouragement to know that Jesus did it already. It is finished. The work is already finished. It's like when you watch that movie, Back to the Future. Everything was already done, but the guy came back living. But everything was already settled and done. And God is saying to us, I have already conquered the enemy. I have already conquered death and the grave. I have already conquered everything. We need not worry. So let us encourage each other. Let us encourage each other through the trials. Let us encourage each other through the tribulations and the suffering. And they look differently. They look different to different persons. 
Some may be simple in your eyes, but to the person going through it, it's not simple. And God is saying to us, I have overcome the world. So I want you to stand with me this morning. And I want us to just be, just be putting our thoughts together. Look, think about the trials. Think about your suffering. Think about the thing that is bothering you the most now. The thing that you cannot fix. Because that's what trials are. You cannot fix them. You cannot fix them of your own because God, they are also designed to develop that perseverance, to develop your faith, to develop your character. So I want you to think about the struggle, the tribulation, the suffering, the trial that you are facing now. It may be a debt. It may be sickness. It may be a relational issue. Whatever it is, I want you to think about it. And I want you to ask the Lord this morning to come and help you to have his perspective of this trial. Lord, what do you want to accomplish in me with this trial? Why did you choose this trial for me? It must be for a reason. So Lord, give me the perspective. Give me the mindset. Give me the strength and the ability and the endurance to go through this fiery trial. It may be a loss of a loved one and you're still mourning and you're saying, God, I am alone. It may be being single. It may be being married. And you're saying, God, but I want you to present this morning the trial. The thing that you in and of yourself cannot fix. It's out of your realm altogether. And you want you to ask the Lord, present it to him. And though he may not take it away, because the truth is he may not take it away. The truth is he wants to take you through it. Because he wants to develop in you that ability to endure and to that ability to become like him. So Father, we stand before you this morning. And Lord, we present the trials, the suffering, the sickness, the relational issues, the financial issues, the emotional issues, the loss of a loved one, the child which is that is wayward, the boss, Father God, that don't like us. We present all of these things to you. We present them to you, God. We present the driver on the road. And it's like, Lord, every time I drive, it feels like some people feel like for every time they drive, there's someone who is there to overtake them and bad drive them. But Lord, I present them to you because Lord, what you're doing in me far outweighs the trial that I'm going through. What you're doing in us this morning, God, your people, far outweighs the trial that you're using. 
And so, Lord, give us that mindset to see things the way you do. Give us that mindset, Father God, and that perspective of, of partnering with you in your suffering, Christ, so that we would have overcome that we've been known as the overcomers. Thank you, Father God, that we are running a race that at the finish line you stand waiting, bidding us to come, even as you run, you're running beside us. And bidding us to come, bidding us to finish the race. Because a crown of life awaits us where you will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. And Lord, forgive us where we have offered ourselves and our, or allowed ourselves to be used as the one who brings trials and suffering and tribulation to others. Lord, we will run the race until we see your face. Lord, we're not giving up. Lord, we're not giving up, Lord. We're not giving up. We're not giving up, Lord. Thank you that you are, your presence, you are with us, God. So we cannot give up. Thank you, Father God, that we cannot give up. And our response must be one of rejoicing. We must rejoice in all situations. We must consider everything, God, joy. That though the situation is, is of such, God, we will see ourselves as worthy for you to take us through. Thank you for how stronger we become when we come go through. Thank you, Father God, for how closer we become to you when we go through. Thank you, Father God, for how you are binding us together in this church in love. Because, Lord, it's only in love will we be able to conquer. Only when we are united and loving. Not only an outward demonstration, but our hearts toward each other. is filled with love. Only then will we be able to withstand the test of time. And so, Lord, for us to become like the Axe Church, Lord, we have to respond to trials the way they did. They rejoiced. For us, Father God, to become the church that you're coming for, the bride that you are preparing. We have to learn to endure. We have to allow our characters to be developed. We cannot remain stuck in the way we are or the way we were. But Lord, we have to move beyond our natural wiring. Because Lord, who says that the way we are wired is how you have designed us to be? There are many things about us you are changing, God. Many things that we have lived with and be comfortable with over the years. But who says this is how we were created to be? Lord, may we not harden our hearts. May not the pain of our life experience, God, the way we grew up, the home from which we came, the experiences that we have had in our lives, whether through mar previous marriages or relationships and friendships, may they not dictate who we are today. But Lord, I pray 
that we stand, we stand before you, God. We stand as one, God, who's saying, God, here I am. I choose this morning to respond from a place of joy. I choose this morning, God, to rejoice in the good times and in the bad times. I choose this morning, God, to walk away from situations that I cannot fix instead of standing, God, to quarrel and to complain. I choose, God, to pray. I choose, God, to obey you. I choose this morning, God, to forgive rather than hate. I choose to rejoice instead of resent. I choose this morning, God. What is your response? What is your response? What is the response that you're saying to the Lord? That Lord, in the midst of the trials, this is the response I choose to have. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the examples that you have allowed us to, 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 to read and to know and to experience. I thank you, Lord, that you allow the word to be there that for us to see how the men who you called, how they lived in situations that, that supersede what I am now going through. The intensity of their trials, God, is mine cannot compare. It's nothing. So, Lord, thank you for the example that you have left us. Lord, we thank you. We lay our old ways of doing things before you. We lay our old way of responding. And we say, Father, there's no wiring, God, that we are, we are not offering to you, Lord. Change us where we need to be changed. Change us, Father, God, where experiences have shaped us. And we think that is how you have designed us. Lord, I thank you this morning. I choose to respond this morning. I choose to respond to you in a favorable way this morning. That's the, the cry of our hearts to you this morning, Lord. We choose to respond to you in a way like you responded in your trials. You humbled yourself. You humbled yourself. You humbled yourself, God. You humbled yourself because you knew that your father could have delivered you. And he said, even if he does not deliver you, God, you choose to humble yourself and to walk the road of Calvary that he had designed for you to walk. And so this morning, we are saying, Lord, we choose to humble ourselves. And walk the road that you have designed for us to walk. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 
thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that if I humble myself, if I choose to be the humble one, if I choose humility over having my own rights, if I choose, God, to be humble rather than to fight for my own rights, God, my end result to be like you. I would have overcome the tribulations and the trials that are before me. If I choose to give up my rights, if I choose to give the other person the right, even when everything is saying that you are right and they are wrong, if I choose to be wronged when I'm right without complaining and quarreling and resenting God then and only then will I be ready to share in the glory that you have awaiting so help us individually this morning to get to that place Lord where we strive for humility as our response. Where we try, strive, Father God, to do it the way you do, do, did it. Father, we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name. So this morning, if you are, you heard, you heard from the beginning to the end of our service. You heard us speak about the God who is able to deliver us and to take us through and to strengthen us. And if you do not know that God, because I'm saying to you as I started out by saying this morning, that every human being will face trials, will face tribulations, will have hardships and hard times and suffering. But the believer in Christ, the one who believes, the person, the individual who believes, who surrenders lordship of their lives to Jesus, they have the ability and the confidence and the promise that their trial is temporary. And that at the end of the trial, it is achieving an outcome, an achieved outcome. And I'm saying to you this morning, if you do not know Christ, if you have yet, you grew up knowing him or you grew up going to church or you're going to church or you have never been to church, you're from another religion and you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord, today is the day. It's not a magic 
It's not a rocket science. It don't need formulas. It's about you coming before the King of Kings right where you are, whether in the bathroom, the bedroom, driving, on the road, in your house, wherever you are this morning. You can say to him, Father, forgive me of my sins. And come and be my Lord and Savior. Father, I confess that I am a sinner. And I'm in need of you, the Savior. Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I believe that he ascended to the heaven and now he's seated on the right hand of the Father. Where he gives, brings salvation to those who don't know him as yet. And if you can confess Jesus this morning as your Lord. The scripture tells us that the angels in heaven rejoices. Because one has been snatched from the kingdom of darkness. Into the kingdom of Jesus which is light. But if you are already, if you have already given your life to the Lord and you have walked away and you have become discouraged because the trials and the tribulations and the sufferings have been magnified and you could not see how. Actually, you felt like God was responsible and you blame him for the thing that you went through. I can say to you this morning, my daughter, my sister, my brother, my son, you cannot walk this journey alone. God promises to be with you. He promised to go through it with you. All he's saying that you need to do is to remain steadfast. Remain in him. He says, if you remain in me and my word remain in you, ask whatever you wish or desire and it will be granted. So this morning you have to come back to that place of being restored into right relationship with Jesus. Where you can ask him, Father, help me. Help me to overcome. Father, help me with this resentment. Father, help me with this hatred. Help me. I am stuck. Help me with this depression. Help me. I cannot move without you, God. And if that is your testimony, if that is your reality this morning, God is saying to you, I come when you call me. He says, before the word is upon your lips, I respond, I answer. But you must ask, you must speak. You must speak to him for him to hear. And so this morning, if you if it's the first time of accepting Jesus Christ as Lord, I would love for you to drop us a line or to call us. Our email address is newhorizonmin at gmail.com and our telephone number is 469-333-0397. So it's 469 
3330397. So I want you to go this morning and have a blessed week. Even with the trials that are coming, it will be a blessed week. Even with the situation that you have no control that are coming, it will be a rejoicing week because you have decided in advance that I will rejoice. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. So go in the name of Jesus and be blessed. Amen. You are breaking new ground so i yield to you and to your careful hand when i trust you i don't need to understand make me your vessel make me an offering make me whatever you want me to be came here with nothing but all you have given me jesus bring new wine out of me in the crushing in the pressing nothing.
But all you have given me, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, whatever we ask in prayer, believing that we have received it, it will be ours. We believe that prayer changes everything. And so we look forward to praying with you. Be blessed.